Hello, friends, and welcome to Boozy Bracketology. We are the podcast that has three core beliefs. We believe in strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. The way Boozy Bracketology works is simple. We take a March Madness-style bracket and we break it down for whatever category we're looking in until we have a champion. Now, our first round that you heard was in Disney movies, specifically the best animated Disney film. If you have not heard that, go listen to it. It's really good. This month, we are focusing in on identifying the best comic book movie ever made. And we've got a hell of a list. Now, this particular topic drove a lot of conversation. So what you're going to hear right now is the first of eight episodes. In this episode, we go through all of the top left-hand side of the bracket. We have four episodes dedicated just to that. Then we jump into the round of 32, the round of 16, 8, 4, and then 2 and 1 until we have the best comic book movie ever made. For now, one of these 16 movies is going to make it all the way to the final four. We are going to get through the first round right here, right now. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome. We are diving right into the comic book movie bracket challenge and uh, we're going to have a few episodes to get through this all. Uh, with me here today, we've got a uh, fabulous fun five group of people here. Um, right across the street, we've got the man himself, Christopher. How's it going everyone? Well, quarantine is uh, possibly... Coming to a slow, terrible end. How are things over there? Uh, the 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 liquor is full, so that's a good sign. Um, it's not bad. The baby finally went to sleep. She's been fussy all day, but it's been a good day. I can't complain. It's good to hear. What uh, what are we drinking tonight, there, Chris? I am back to the George Dickel uh, twelve year. I think it is. Um, but it's the whiskey advocate whiskey of the year last year, so. Um, it's actually, it's, it's, I had it last night. I liked it up front and I didn't like it at the end and I'm, I'm enjoying it right now. So we're going to see how long this, uh, this wave lasts. So we'll see, see if you still like it at the end. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, we're going to go a little bit farther South down to Mr. Tony. How's it going, Tony? Hey, it's going well. Very good. Very good. I see the quarantine beard is coming in nice. Yeah. It's pretty much always here. It's just getting a little raggedy right now. Yeah, I heard you haven't heard the house uh, or left the house in God knows how long. Oh, yeah, it's been probably about six weeks since I've left a two-mile radius around my house. Uh, maybe gone out three times for groceries. That's about it. Wow, that is impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I went to uh, BJ's yesterday. Ooh, how crazy is that? It was, um, I think, less crazy than I expected. Yet not a place I wanted to be at all. Oh, I'm sure. Especially with it being newer, people are still happy about it. But I will say I got some killer fillets. So, way to go, BJs. All right. Let's see. Let's head over to, I don't know, wherever Jen is. Hey, Jen. (laughs) 
Tampa. Thank you. Thank That's you. what I thought. I didn't know where, though. Tampa. Tampa's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, I enjoy it there. How's it going for you today? Pretty good. Lots of housework. Ah, gotta love a productive weekend. Yes, painting and raking and wanting to pass out under the couch. Yes. Sounds like a great weekend. All right, let's head a little bit farther north up to Alabama, where we find Mr. Mike Mott. Back by unpopular demand. Ah, we can't get rid of him, but man, is he good on the screen. <laughs> Why, thank you. I feel sorry for all the people that don't get to see me. I know, it's their unfortunate loss. What yeah, the, we'll call it that. What's, uh, actually, I need to go back and ask Jen. I totally forgot what she's drinking tonight. Good point. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm rocking out with some Mountain Dew, guys. Whoa, <laughs> I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> doing the Dew. Doing the Dew. <laughs> yes. It's a great mixture there. Um, and I think I also miss Tony. Tony, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, classical Buffalo Trace. It's about the only bottle I got left in the house. A classical Buffalo Trace. All right. Hey, Tony, if you need a bottle, like I got like a boatload back here. <laughs> I've got <laughs> like miscellaneous bottles that I'm afraid to touch because they're not bourbon or whiskey. And... I don't know how long they've been on my fridge, so we'll stick oh. to the Buffalo Trace right now. Oh my! Well, I know that there is a Scotch, so perhaps, or maybe it's gone, <laughs> or maybe it's gone. That would be wild. <laughs> All right, and back over to Mister Mike. What do we? Uh, what do we have tonight? It looks like a fun beer. Yes. So uh, this is actually a, a funny story behind this beer. I I literally picked it up because in in Alabama most most of the beers come in cans, most of the local beers. And that makes it really hard for me to save the beer labels, which I usually do off the bottles. This can I picked up because it had a peelable beer label. So I was like, okay, that's one that I can save the beer label off of. It's uh, called rule book arsonist. It's an IPA. It's from trim tab brewing in, I believe Birmingham. Yeah. Birmingham. So I picked it up just because of that reason. And it is honestly top three IPAs I've ever had. It's phenomenal. Wow. Really, really good beer. That's high praise. That that's that's impressive. It's, I will it's, say it's not super hoppy. It's got a great flavor, and it's just it goes down nice and smooth. It's a perfect spring summer beer. Very nice. So you're saying it's almost as good as White Claw? Oh, almost. God. <laughs> <laughs> almost got him. Almost got him. Yeah, I, it, I consider me uncultured, but I will say I think the. Uh, the money you've spent in the Alabama beer world has probably single-handedly uh, kept it alive up there, because you've you've pulled out some things that I have never heard of. It's come surprisingly alive. Uh, Alabama, you know, s stop me if this is shocking. Alabama was a little behind uh, <laughs> most of the rest of the states in the country. They didn't legalize home brewing until I believe 2011 or 2012. Hmm. Uh, but the craft beer scene, especially in Huntsville and Birmingham and surrounding areas of those two places has really come alive in the last couple of years. Very nice, I will Brandis. say I was out in Muncie uh, about two and a half years ago visiting a, a friend of ours and uh, went, I can't remember the name of it, went to a brewery, local, local tavern, uh, and they had some kick-ass beer there. Really impressed by it, you know. I've been to Seattle, New York, and Tampa, which are three highly known um, beer joints, and 
beer to rival that. So hats off to them. Real quick, I, I thought Muncie was in Indiana. Isn't that where Gary Gergich has his summer home? It's a super small town outside of Birmingham. <laughs> oh, there's two Muncies. Good to know. Yeah, there are multiple Muncies everywhere. <laughs> there are multiple yeah. everythings. Not surprising. And we head to our furthest contestant. How are we doing tonight, Steve? Doing all right. Waiting for those Clorox chewables to come in stock so I can go outside again. But other than that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't wait for that day. Mm-hmm. It'll be a much quieter time, but man, will it be nice. Well, once we get the sunlight inside our bodies, which you can do now, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're good. <laughs> well, I did just order a round of uh, these small flashlights that you can just put right up your rear end. Uh, plan on handing those out to the family later on this week. Can I get on that waiting list? Yeah, Absolutely. Is there, is there any coming to our household? Well, as they say, what have you got to lose? <laughs> All right. Well, we are all here. We are all geared up, and we all love comic books, right? Woo! Yeah. Wrong. Mm. I, I really don't know much about any yeah. of these things. <laughs> that that's is why, why that's why I'm moderating tonight. So what we're going to have is a uh, sort of round robin. Um, each person's going to have their chance to take a pick. We're going to run through this like a basketball bracket challenge style. We've got 64 teams uh, or movies on the board here, and we're going to go through one by one and see what the people have to say for them. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Chris. I would like to make a quick disclaimer here because I don't want the hate mail or the angry mobs out there. Oh, it's going to come. So this list was primarily put together using Rotten Tomatoes rankings. There are, I think when I did my count, over 150 comic book movies that have been released in theaters in the U.S., that were U.S.-based films, and that was kind of the criteria we used. Um, so if we had kept just the Rotten Tomatoes scores, when Jen and I first sat down to look over the list, uh, you see a lot of Marvel, a lot of DC, uh, a lot of Sony, and then there's very little um, of the other films that, that got that high ranked. So I did go back and vet the list. So you're going to see movies that are not making the cut that would have been on here had we kept the list pure. Uh, movies like Age of Ultron, Doctor Strange, uh, Spider-Man 1, the first one with Tobey Maguire, um, Days of Futures Past, uh, a, a lot of those types of films. Amazing Spider-Man, that entire set's not on here. Uh, we made room for those. We took those off and made room for them. Yeah, I know, Mike, I know. But uh, we added some other movies that are just really should have been, I thought should have been on this list, or at least should have had uh, something to say about it. And then we did add... One for Jennifer because she she wanted Bulletproof Monk to make the cut. Listen, listen here. The whole thing was that I looked at this and it was like 98% Marvel. It was. And I was like, no. And I was like, what about this? And what about this? And I was throwing out a bunch of like lesser known ones or stuff that may have been forgotten. I'm like, no, dude, we need to we need to have more representation here. So I, don't don't put this all on yourself. This wasn't just you, Chris. It wasn't just me. No, I, I went out. <laughs> I, I asked for feedback, and I took constructive criticism. And when she told me to shove it up my ass, I let it go, and I added Bulletproof Monk to the list. <laughs> Bulletproof Monk wasn't even the one that I wanted. Tales from the Crypt was mine. <laughs> Tales from the Crypt is, now, is on the list now. It just is that is that is that a comic? Yes, it was a comic. I didn't know if it was a comic first, and I knew it's. A, I know it's been a comic since. I didn't know if it was a comic first. I apologize. 
first. I don't apologize. Um, the other thing is, this is just comic books. There are some great comic strip movies that are out there that we did not include. Like, I would love to see Dick Tracy on this list, but that just opened up a whole other realm of possibilities. And as Tony brought up when I ran the list by him, uh, you're not going to see anime or manga on here at all. So, uh, mainly because yeah. I haven't seen any of those. Well, we're really missing out on the Garfield movie, so... Oh, say what you want, though. but not a tale of two kitties. <laughs> well, we don't need to speak about that one. All this right. entire thing just went downhill really yeah. fast, very quickly. <laughs> Thank you for that disclaimer, Chris. We all understand that no matter what we do here, there's going to be hate mail, and we're all going to be wrong at least five times. Yes. So, what we're going to do is we're going to go in a uh, kind of a rotating order tonight. We're going to start it off with Chris. We're going to go to Tony, then Jen, then Steve, then Mike, and we're just going to kind of increment that as we go. Um, our first matchup tonight is one that I have really been looking forward to because I only know one of these movies. We have the number one ranked Black Panther versus the number 16 ranked Red. Chris. What say you? Um, so Red is, I, I believe it says, sort of retired, extremely dangerous. I think that's what the comic was called. Um, I've never read the comic. I've seen the movie. And when I saw the movie, I was just, I was delighted. I had a lot of fun with it. I was a little sad to see it coming as a 16 seed because you're going to put that up against Black Panther. And it's just, come on. Like, it's not close. Black Panther is a phenomenal movie. It does have a little bit of a a third act problem, but... It's a good movie. It's entertaining as hell. So I, I got to go Black Panther. Just from very a good. world building perspective alone. Very good. Very good. We got one for Black Panther. Tony, what do you have to think? Look, Red, it's a good movie. I saw it once back in like 2011 when it came out or something like that. 2011, 2012. Uh, it's a Bruce Willis film. You know, he's always a great actor. He always puts on good roles and good performances. But like Chris said, it, Awful matchup for it. Black Panther just steamrolls it. Um, regardless of Killmonger falling into the Marvel sort of villain fallout, everything else about that movie is just phenomenal. And what it did for comic book movies. Gotta go Black Panther. All right, we've got two for Black Panther. Let's see. Jen, what do you think? So, um, I agree. Red was was a really good movie. It was very entertaining when I saw it, you know a gazillion years ago. Um, but what Black Panther not only did for comic book movies and superhero movies, but for, I mean, the black community as a whole, I mean, hands down, there's really, there's no topping Black Panther. I mean, just, yeah, Black Panther all the way. All right. Well, we've locked in Black Panther with our third vote here, but Steve, what do you think? Well, I think if you've uh, listened to the last three answers, they've all said Red's a little underranked, probably. And we saw it one time in theaters, you know, 15 years ago. Red's not a film you're going to go back to. It's fine for what it is. It's a good two-hour march. Black Panther is probably a little overranked as a one seed, but I can get yelled at about that later. But it's clearly going to beat Red, so. Very good, very good. And Mike? Yeah, uh, St- Stephen hit the nail on the head. Everybody else did. Uh, I think not to belabor the point. 
Red is a very entertaining movie. If you got if you got two hours, you can find it, stream it. It's a it's a blast. As you know, Bruce Willis, as Tony said, uh, what Helen Mirren and John Malkovich. I think like Morgan Freeman. It's it's like it's got a great cast. It's a ton of fun. But it's no Black Panther. It was not going to get nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> this is Black Panther all the way. Very good, very good. So moving on, we've got Black Panther in a sweep. Of course we do. It's a number one. <laughs> we'll see, though. You never know. All right. In our second matchup for the evening, we've got in the number eight seed, Atomic Blonde, and in the number nine seed, Avengers Infinity War. Going to go ahead and get started with Tony here. So this one, this one's a little hard for me because Infinity War as a movie, um, as a standalone film, um, it's slow. It takes a while. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts to it, and sometimes it's hard to follow along. Atomic Blonde is one of those stories that you're just always, what is happening in this movie? You know, what's going on? Um, so as a standalone, it was really hard for me to pit these up. But when you consider what Infinity War is doing with that movie, um, you really start to see the brilliance in it. And and for that, I still just have to go with the slight upset with Infinity War and, and go with the Avengers. All right. We've got one vote for Avengers Infinity War. Jen, what do you have to say? Well, I have not seen Atomic Blonde. So, I mean, I would automatically have to go towards Avengers Infinity War because... It's really hard to view it as a separate entity when it's connected to so many other movies and so many other timelines and stories. So it's like they all just kind of mesh together for me and all of the Avengers movies are like one long movie. But <laughs> but um, I mean, I kind of have to default to Infinity War anyways because I can't really speak for Atomic Blonde. So it's not really a fair assessment. It certainly isn't, but we have a second vote for Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> All right, Stephen, what do you have to say? So, Atomic Blonde, uh, it reminds me a lot of the Timothy Dalton era of James Bond movies. Um, Timothy Dalton, also, you can give me crap for this, best Bond. Not it doesn't have the best movie, but is the best Bond. So, we can hold that off in discussion later. Right. But here's the thing about those. Those were like those 80s action movies where every single step like going from A to B makes sense. But if you ask me to actually tell you the plot step-by-step step of a Timothy Dalton Bond movie, I couldn't do it because at one point there's diamonds and at another point we're turning crack into something you could transport in oil. It makes no sense. If you try to tell the plot, it makes no sense. But it's such a fun action ride from beat to beat, you can go along with it. And Atomic Blonde has that in spades. Uh, the problem is, is that it's up against a film that can only be described as a miracle, a film that by all rights should not exist, should not work. Uh, it, it should be incomprehensible, even for people that have seen the 20 previous films, let alone people jumping in later on in the story. And it still works. The fact that they just flipped it on its head, decided to make the villain, the protagonist of it, to give it a basic through line that anyone can follow. That was a brilliant idea that almost no one would have thought of. It's well-paced. It's well-structured. There's an actual character arc in what is just a three-hour popcorn muncher that you have to appreciate. It's Infinity War all the way. All right. We've got our third vote for Infinity War. 
Mike, what do you think? Yep. Um, the I was surprised to see Infinity War seated as low as it was, just because, as Steven said, it really is a miracle that this movie exists, even given what had come before. Uh, and I, th- I think that an interesting thing that both Tony and Jen brought up that is probably going to resurface a lot throughout this is it is impossible to approach it as a standalone film. It's not a standalone film. It was never intended to be a standalone film. It couldn't be a standalone film. Um, but, I, you know, Infinity War, I just think, is such a... Uh, I, like I said, I think it's a low seed. Uh, I am actually in the same boat as Jen. I've not seen Atomic Blonde. Uh, so it's very hard for me to speak to that. But I, Infinity War was an event movie, and not just an event movie, but an event movie that miraculously managed to live up to the hype. So you you got to give it at least one round. So I think you give it the victory here. All right. And following up with the caboose, Chris, what do you think? Um, Avengers Infinity War is something that, like Steven's right, that should not have come up. It shouldn't had no right to be as good as it was. It had no right to be as transcendent as it was but i've seen atomic blonde atomic blonde might be the best female fronted action movie that's ever been made the action scenes alone in that the set pieces are phenomenal and geez Shirley theron just insanely talented on the other hand infinity war is an exceptional movie a great movie and i love the mcu i really do it's not a complete work in and of itself. It's not a standalone film. You need other stuff going into it. And from a film standpoint, it suffers from that. Whereas I don't think Endgame does. I think Endgame, you don't need all the buildup to really understand what Endgame is about until maybe the, the crest of the third act. Atomic Blonde, I come back to and I just say, beginning to end, that movie is fun. And the twist, no one saw the twist ending coming. I don't care who you are. You didn't see that ending coming. It's Atomic Blonde for me, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Atomic Blonde is a phenomenal action movie. All right. Well, he's not apologizing, but he did break another sweep. So we are moving on to our third round of games here tonight. The fifth seed Captain America Civil War versus the 12th seed of Batman Returns. And we are getting started with Jen. Oh, this is such a horrible one for me because I love Civil War. It was not my favorite MCU film. I, I don't I don't know why, but a lot of the dynamic that was happening in there just it, it didn't always work for me. But God, I love Batman Returns because Day DeVito as the Penguin just it just tickles me pink, and I just cannot get over that movie. Like I still watch that movie. I, I watch that more than I will watch Civil War. So for me, as painful as this is, I'm going to have to go Batman Returns because Michael Keaton is just he's my Batman. Very good, very good. I don't see any reason why you should take that back at all. Moving on to Stephen, what do you think? So Batman Returns is a truly amazing movie. It's got two separate plot lines, the Catwoman plot line and the Penguin. The Catwoman plot line is an amazing, well-thought-out psychological thriller that hits every single beat and is is just a mesmerizing thing to watch. And the Penguin plot line is an amazing fart in the wind that makes absolutely no <laughs> sense at any point. 
it's 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 mind blowing that the same people were working on that at the same time because <laughs> what's going on with the penguin plotline? Where does he get the plans for the Batmobile? What is his main purpose? Why does he want to be mayor? There's no real point to being mayor. He changed. That's why he changes what he wants to do like six times throughout the movie. It makes no sense. But that Catwoman storyline, that's good. That's very very good. Civil War. A lot of great action scenes, a lot of a uh, lot of good going on. Problem with Civil War is that it's all depending on Steve and Bucky's relationship. And Steve and Bucky have shared maybe twenty minutes of screen time together in the entire MCU. Does anybody really know why? St- I mean, we know they were childhood friends because we're told they're childhood friends. We don't really see them hanging out a lot. And it, we get like one time where Steve is getting beat up and Bucky stepped in. That was like, it happens one time. I never bought that relationship. I don't think they have best friend chemistry. Like I need an actual road trip where those two go off together and do something because all I've really been told about it's like whenever they get together, it's a montage. That's the thing in the first Captain America movie, Steve and Bucky's time together is a montage. I'm just realizing that. And that's the problem because the montage doesn't give us any actual real moments. And because of that, I don't think Civil War holds together. So I actually am going to vote for Batman Returns. All right. We've got another vote for the turd in the wind. Mike, what do you think? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> how can I put this slightly? I hate Batman Returns. I hate it, hate it, hate it. And, but I will, I will give this caveat. I saw it once. I saw it when I was, what, 13 it came out in 92, something like that. I go third. I was 11. Uh, I loved Batman, the, the original Tim Burton Batman. And Batman Returns hit none of what I wanted in a sequel to me. I don't know if it was just the time in my life or something like that. I've tried to revisit it. I've never revisited it start to finish. But every now and then I've caught it on TV and started watching a little bit. And I'm just like, this does nothing for me. It, it just, I don't know why. I think it's because in Batman, like at least, at least the Joker is a fun villain, and like I just to me, the Penguin is not a fun villain. He's just like a kind of a dark, nasty villain, and I, you know, it just doesn't doesn't do it for me. Um, I have to. I'm having to revise what I what I uh, was going to say because Chris switched the seating on me at the last second. I didn't notice it in the. Um, uh, he switched the four and five seats, so I wasn't going to talk about a Captain America Civil War just now, but. Um, Captain America Civil War, I actually, Steven, Steven makes a valid point. Personally, I bought into the to the Steve and Bucky relationship. I did, I felt like we saw enough of it in the first movie to, you know, get the general gist of it. Uh, he does make a good point, and it's very weird in that it is Captain America Civil War, but as many people pointed out, it's really Avengers 2.5. Uh, but it has, it just has so many, like, really, really, like, exciting moments to me. Like, you get, obviously, you get the introduction of the of Black Panther. You get the introduction of Spider-Man into the MCU, which they really should have left off the trailers, and it pissed me off that they didn't save that. But what they did save for the movie is frickin' Giant Man. That was awesome. Like, there was so many cool things in Civil War that just from a purely geeking out perspective, even if it wasn't going against a movie that left such a sour taste in my mouth like Batman Returns, I'm probably going to give it to Cap. Alrighty, we've got a vote for Captain America Civil War. Chris, what do you have to say? Um, so uh, l- let me start with Captain America Civil War. Uh, 
Stephen, I don't think uh, to me your your explanation there, your your reasoning doesn't really hold water because for them to add that additional level of chemistry for Bucky and Cap, I don't need another half hour tacked on to freaking uh, the first Avenger. I don't. Um, I bought it because of the the through line from Winter Soldier. The fact that all throughout Winter Soldier he wouldn't he would not sh- go for the kill shot on on uh, Bucky at all. He just he wouldn't do it. That was enough for me to buy in the relationship. My problem with Civil War, and my wife is the one that brought this up, is one the fight at the end while one one of the top five Marvel scenes, the airport fight scene, um, it doesn't ring true to me. It really doesn't. All right, I get it. They're fighting. But one, Tony siding with, with the U.S. government makes no sense whatsoever. I don't care about that little part in the beginning where some woman confronted him after a thing and he's having a fight with Pepper. That doesn't ring true at all. That's not who Tony Stark is. If anything, those roles should have been reversed. But in the iteration of the MCU that you see with Captain America, those roles were never going to be reversed. It wasn't going to happen. Two, like they're trying to kill each other. Like Let's go back and remember that Cap knows absolutely nothing about Spider-Man, has not seen him show off any type of super strength whatsoever, and he drops a tanker on him, on a 15-year-old kid. That took me out of the movie completely. With that being said, Batman Returns is not a good movie. I'm sorry. I don't buy the cat. I didn't care about the Catwoman Catwoman storyline. I didn't care at all. Let's remember that movie is a movie that they had McDonald's Happy Meal toys for, for God's sake. They did. And then that movie came out, and that movie was, it was dark. Um, but I've always felt, and I love Batman 89. I think Batman 89 is a phenomenal movie. But Tim Burton has always given a lot more credence and care towards the villains in those two movies than he ever did towards Batman. And Michael Keaton, while he may be the one of the best Batmans, if not the best Batman we've ever seen, deserves a little bit better. Michael Keaton deserves a Batman Beyond storyline where he is old Batman tutoring a young Batman. And that's the Michael Keaton Batman movie I want to see. It's not Batman Returns. I'm sorry. I thought Batman Returns, to me, was hot garbage. So <laughs> I am locking in with Civil War. All right. And we now have a two to two tie. Tony, oh, no. you're gonna have to you're gonna have to break this for us, Tony. All right. So I just wanna kinda build off what, what Chris said. You know, when when you look at Batman Returns, Danny DeVito is the penguin. If you've read any of the comic books, that should be you know, one of those those castings that is just a match made in heaven, and they don't deliver on it. it his story is all over the place. It just doesn't make sense. Um, and I never did get emotionally invested with Catwoman's storyline. Um, you know, I'm a huge Selena Kyle fan. I, I love when you know you you see that dynamic between Batman and Catwoman. It's always pseudo sexual, and then it turns into something more. Always, always, always. Um, so what they did with that, I just couldn't get invested in it. Um, and, and Civil War, I mean, it does have its issues. I, I agree with Chris to where the Bucky-Cap relationship, it, it, everything that you needed for that relationship was present in 
Winter Soldier, you know, from Cap not wanting to fight him, not wanting to go after him when he realizes it, that it is Bucky, to Bucky hesitating, you know, Bucky has gone through hesitating to, to kind of finish off Cap when his orders are directly to kill Captain America. You know, that that shows you that there's so much more to that relationship than what we're seeing on that screen at the moment. Um, with that being said, you know, I do have my issues with how they handled the whole entire Civil War arc. You know, comic book came out in 2006. It shook Marvel to its foundation. This movie just didn't quite live up to that, but still a good movie. Uh, still beats Batman Returns, in my opinion. All right, so we do have a winner. The five seed of Captain America Civil War holds its true place, beating the 12 seed of Batman Returns. As we move on to our next grouping here, we have a four seed of Teen Titans Go to the Movies versus a 13 seed of Dread. We are getting started here with Mike. What do you have to say about this one? Um, well, again, the, uh, the the seating got flipped on me. I'm not blaming you, Chris. It's just I didn't even see it when you sent it to me earlier today. Uh, I made it a point. I, I pretty much knew. All right, this is confession time. I haven't seen Dread. So I almost feel like I should recuse myself because I've heard so many good things about Dread. I haven't set, I haven't set out the time to, to see it. Uh, but I did set out the time this 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 weekend, much largely because it's a much shorter movie, to watch Teen Titans go to the movies. Uh, and I, I thought it was fun. Uh, and I really mainly watched it because I wanted to have be able to make a justifiable argument against it beating Batman Returns. It was no longer going against Batman Returns. It's going against Dread, which is a movie that I've actually heard a lot of good things about, really want to see. I, I can't recuse myself because that would lead to the possibility of a tie. Um, so... I'm going with the movie that I've seen, which is Teen Titans Go to the Movies, because it really was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. Uh, but I would not be at all surprised if Dread won this because I've, again, just it's been, it's been one of those that's on my list. It's just never quite made it to the point where I've watched it, but I've heard really good things. All right, we've got one for Teen Titans. Chris, what are your thoughts? Um, Teen Titans Go to the Movies is not for me. Uh, I get it. Like it's it, it obviously skews towards a younger generation. Jen, your kids probably love the Teen Titans movies and the Teen Titans TV show. With all that being said, Dread is a top five comic book movie for me. It is an incredible. It's an incredibly designed film. It's a unique story that you just don't see. You've got Carl Urban proving that he should freaking be Batman playing Judge Dread. Um, you've got Cersei for God's sakes. Uh, Lena Headey playing the boss bitch at the top of the tower, and it's just an insanely well done movie on a micro budget. It really is everything you could want in a comic, an R rated comic book movie. Um, it, it you think about the Stallone Dread, which actually when we do the worst comic book movie of all time is definitely going to make an appearance. <laughs> Dread erases every shred of that movie. It surpasses everything that has been done in that regard. And for its budget, it's probably the best comic book movie that I have ever seen. It is so insanely well done. So insanely well acted. The action scenes are so well choreographed. And the plot never slows down. It's a relentless film. It gives you a little time to breathe at the exact right moments. And then you're up going up, again, up the building again. It's phenomenal. If you have not seen Dread, 
do yourself a favor. Go chug out two hours and 15 minutes and watch it. Pour some popcorn or make some popcorn. It is a phenomenal movie. It's dread all the way. Well, fuck, I guess I'm going to go watch dread the next week. <laughs> it, yeah. To me, it's that good. Dread is an amazing movie. And the fact that he even got made and then Ned didn't get a sequel is insane. Well, now that we know that Chris has stock in dread, let's see. What does Tony have to say? Look, Mike, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I, I have to admit that I have not seen Dread. I've heard great things about it, and Chris, with your recommendation, it, it is only validating what I had in mind already, and we'll definitely be watching it now. Um, and I'm going to date myself with this as the youngest person on the podcast, probably. I grew up with the 2000, early 2000s Teen Titan TV show. You know, I, I was a younger, I wouldn't say kid, I was, you know, I was young, 10, 11, going on my teenage years. Uh, and that played such a pivotal role in, in kind of defining what I liked from comic books, approached comic book movies and adaptations. Um, and then Cartoon Network goes and shits on everything <laughs> that that series stood for with Teen yes. Titans Go!, I don't care if it's a hot take or not. I heard such great things about this movie. I went and watched it. Not even the original OG Teen Titans showing up in the the mid-credit scene was enough to save this train wreck of a movie for me. Absolutely hated it. Going forward with Dread, regardless of whether I've seen it or not, Teen Titans needs off this list. Hey, Tony, props (laughs) for you at least making it to the mid-credit scene. Once those credit rolls, I was done. I, the only reason I stayed is because I had heard about the OGs making a cameo, and I was like, where are they? Where are they? I saw them in the mid-credits, and I was like, off, done, not worth it. Well, alrighty then. Let's go with Jen. What do you got to say? Jen, you're mm-hmm. on mute. I think you're muted. My bad. So a couple of confessions. Um, when I first saw Dread on the list, I didn't realize that a new one had come out. So in my head, my <laughs> argument was for Judge Dread and not Dread with Carl Urban because I love Carl Urban like so much. Um, but I'm still going to have to go with what I was originally going to go with. I mean, I am going to have to see Dread now, but yes, Chris, you're right. My kids, you know, used to love Teen Titans Go. And then it got to the point where I wanted to watch Teen Titans Go just because it's that stupid funny that I like. And I really like stupid humor. Um, And then I worked with some of the actors or whatever from it. But I really enjoyed Teen Titans goes to the movies. My kids, like, we went to the movie theaters to see it, and my kids were like, all right, I'm over it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We have to keep watching. Because I like that stupid humor. Like, that's just just, just me. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with Teen Titans goes to the movies. Well, looks like we've got our second tie in a row here. Two and two. Let's see what Steven has to say. I'm scared. <laughs> the fact that we live in a universe in which Teen Titans Go flourishes and Young Justice has to beg, scrap, and borrow to get to a fourth <laughs> season makes me truly fear for the future 
not just of America, but of the world in general. Yeah, Young Justice was good. Young Justice is amazing, and it did not get a movie. No, Teen Titans Go is fine for what it is. Uh, exactly. It's, no, it's young. It's humor for younger kids. Uh, you know, if if this everyone on this call was about ten years younger, it would have a much better chance of getting through. Uh, it would also have a much better chance of getting through if it wasn't against the masterpiece that is Dread. Not only one of the best comic book movies, but one of the best action movies ever. And one of only a handful of movies that actually knows how to use 3D. It's going to be a weird recommendation for me because I usually hate it. If you get a chance to see this in 3D in a theater, do it. Um, for those of you who don't know, one of the plot lines is that there's a drug that makes people go like super fast and have super high senses. And when it's in the 3D, when someone's not on the drug, it's not very 3D. There's not a lot of depth. But when someone takes the drug and we see their view, suddenly it expands the screen outwards and gives you this amazing effect. It's one of the few times where somebody thought, what is the purpose of me doing 3D other than can I get five extra dollars from transferring this to 3D? Uh, and so I thought, it is just a great movie. It's a great action movie. It's a non-stopping uh, non train ride. Once you get on the roller coaster, you're not done until the final scene. Absolutely go see Dread if you hadn't. It's my vote all the way. Well, it looks like we've got our first upset of the day. Well, no, it's our first real upset of the day, though. Dread is moving on and kicking the Teen Titans to the curb. <laughs> we are moving on to our next matching here. A six seed Superman 2 versus the 11th seed of Swamp Thing. And we're going to go ahead and start right back at the top of our list. Chris, what do you have to say about these two? So Steven is the one that, that rallied to have Superman 2 added back to the list. Um, he rallied for it. And I'll be honest with you here. I have not revisited the Christopher Reeve Superman movies in a long time. But I found myself in quarantine with like a boatload of time. And then I watched them. And then I read about them, and I had no idea, one, that they were filmed, like, back-to-back, -back, and that Dick Donner did the first... Yeah, I know, Steven, I know. Dick Donner did the first Superman movie and then was fired from the second Superman movie, despite the fact that they were supposed to supposedly filmed back-to-back. -back. With all that being said, I went back, and I didn't know if, if I wanted to include the Dick Donner cut or the theatrical release cut of Superman 2, but it didn't matter. I watched Swamp Thing. First off, for those of you that don't know, the only place you can watch Swamp Thing right now if you don't own it, not the DC TV show, which I hear is phenomenal. The actual movie, the only place you can watch it, it's free on YouTube. And there's a reason it's free on YouTube. <laughs> it's atrocious. And I love the 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 female protagonist is Adrian Barbeau. If you don't remember her, she was um she's in John Carpenter's The Thing, and she is the voice of Catwoman in Batman the Animated Series. Um I love her. I met her at a con not too long ago. She's like a real she was a really sweetheart when I met her. That movie's hot garbage. It is absolutely unwatchable. I turned it off 45 minutes in. It's that bad. With that being said, Superman 2 might be the best interpretation of Superman we've seen. With the exception of the whole green crystal crap of him completely negating the validity of him giving up his powers for somebody. To me, that was a greater sin than the end of Superman 1 where he flew around the world backwards to redo time. It was a bigger sin. The Green Crystal undoes everything he did about every piece that he meant about that sacrifice he was willing to make. With that being said, Superman 2 is a better movie. It's, it, it, the, the graphics are old. I get it. 
it's still a fun movie and probably the best modern day film interpretation or movie interpretation of Lois Lane that we've had. Because they actually made Lois Lane a badass. Like, she earned her stripes as, as a reporter that wants to go out there and take risks to get the story, the true story, to light. It's Superman 2. I'm going to get off my high horse now and drink. <laughs> well, now that we've gotten Chris off his horse, Tony, what do you have to say about this? Um, not much. Uh, <laughs> I think... It... <laughs> fun, fun thing. I think The Shape of Water is what Swamp Thing wanted to be. 30 years before it was ever acceptable. Something is such... It's a hot garbage movie, like Chris said. Um, it, it takes strokes from Creature of the Black Lagoon, Planet of the Apes, and, and nothing really from the comic books. Um, such an interesting character done so wrong. Um, Superman 2, where it does you know, kind of cheat everything that Christopher Reeve's Superman did in number one... Um, still gave us a, a magnificent look at Kryptonian life with General Zod and his henchmen, uh, who I cannot remember the names of at the moment. But Stephen will tell us. <laughs> uh, th- that dynamic between Superman and, and General Zod and, and kind of seeing how almost Golden Age Superman would approach this situation, basically. You know, it's not... As much as I, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably, you know, invalidate some of my opinions here by saying I loved Man of Steel, I loved Henry Cavill, I did not like how they handled General Zod and Catalel's relationship. Um, it was all right. Movie was good. Superman two does it better. Superman two rolls over something. All righty then, Jen, what's your vote? So I mean. You kind of have to preface this with the fact that Swamp Thing is a 1982 film. They didn't really have anything. I mean, Superman 2 came out in what? 1980. Uh, 81? Something like that, like 80 or 81. But it's... They're two completely different kinds of films. You know, you have Wes Craven, who did Swamp Thing. And you're, you're... putting up against Superman. I mean, that's kind of a difficult team up to make because they're completely almost different genres. Um, So in light of this, I mean, Swamp Thing is kind of, for me, it's a classic. I love Swamp Thing. Um, I haven't even seen the new show, but I love Swamp Thing. Superman, I haven't revisited the Christopher Reeve Superman series in a really long time. So it would be really hard for me to pit these two together considering I, I, just, I just don't remember enough about Superman to really say much. Um, but I don't know. I think I'm going to have to end up going with Swamp Thing just because Swamp Thing's my dude. All right. We've got a vote for Swamp Thing. And the good news is, if you want to watch the series, you can watch the 10 episodes and no more because it was almost immediately canceled. <laughs> Stephen, what do you have to vote for? Greetings, people of planet Houston. Uh, the henchmen's names are Non and Ursa, just to be clear. Uh, okay, so yeah, I did lobby to get this film back in. And I did it because uh, it's one of the really good time capsules of what Silver Age comics were like. 
And it's that and the uh, Adam West Batman, which is also one of my favorite things ever. That series is nuts balls, and I love it. Um, the key to Superman 2 is Margot Robbie. Her Lois Lane is the highlight of that film. Margot Robbie? Margot oh, Kidder. <laughs> Kidder. Wrong Margot. <laughs> Wrong Margot. I didn't even catch it. I didn't even catch it. Kidder, yes. Yeah. So forget the Robbie, add in the Kidder. Margot is the key to those films. Um, For those of you who are curious, if uh, Richard Donner had been able to make it, Superman would not have reversed the spin of the Earth at the end of Superman 1. That was actually for the end of Superman 2. So that movie would actually have been better if they had let him done his thing too. Uh, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing is it's hot garbage. I, I'm trying to find a positive for it. Um, huh. th- there's just nothing going on there. I don't expect Superman 2 to make it very, very far, but it's clearly better than Swamp Thing. And it is a film that deserves our respect. It deserves to still be watched. And it's still an enjoyable time. It's got problems. It's got the pacing issues of that era. It's still kind of edited like a 70s film but it is still uh, an uplifting superman that we can all look for and it's a good intro for people who don't know what a comic superhero is like take your little kids bounce them on your knee show them superman and superman 2 hmm. superman 2 gets my vote yeah if you have four hours five hours seven hours feels like 10 hours sometimes <laughs> or all you right. can watch teen titans go to the movies three times in a row it's up to you Oh, I'm watching Teen Titans every time. All right, Mike, what do you have to vote for? Um, so I'm not, not going to say a whole lot more because I know uh, Superman 2 is already uh, won. Uh, Superman 2 is one of those movies I have not seen in a very, very long time. Like a lot of other folks haven't, vis- haven't revisited the Christopher Reeve era of Superman movies in a very long time. Swamp Thing, it's been probably even longer than I've seen it. But here's my Swamp Thing story. Uh, when I was about, oh, what was it? Probably 10? Yeah, I would say I was 10 and I went on a family vacation and my little cousin, Robert, who was about seven or eight at the time, was obsessed with the Swamp Thing movie. I have no idea why, but I probably watched it was a week long vacation. I probably watched it at least 10 times on that week long vacation and it just never got better. It, It started bad and it never got better. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, this is definitely Superman two for me. It's, like Steven said, I don't know how far it's going to go, but it definitely deserves to beat Swamp Thing. All right, so rounding this out, we've got four votes for Superman two, taking it on to the next round. On to our next grouping here, we have the number three ranked Scott Pilgrim versus the number fourteen, The Losers. We are getting started here with Tony. Tony, what are you going to vote for? Um, so another caveat here, uh, haven't watched the losers. Um, it's just one of those movies that has kind of flown under my radar and kind of escaped me. Um, going based off of seating, I kind of understand why, uh, Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim is a gem. Um, you know, I've read the comics and I, I know there's diehard fans of the comics and diehard fans of the movies and they often butt heads. Um, as a fan of music and a fan of nerd culture in general, Scott Pilgrim had so many beats that are just so well done in the hour and 45 minute movie 
that I am thoroughly impressed by how much it is able to accomplish. Uh, and that being said, it'd be hard pressed for me to beat Scott Program with many other movies on this list, let alone a movie I haven't seen. All right, Scott Pilgrim it is. Jen, what's your vote? So, I have not seen either of these movies. (laughs) (laughs) So, Philip McCoy. So, uh, I will say, though, that out of the two of them, I have heard some really awesome things about Scott Pilgrim, and that's actually on my list of movies to watch. Um, And Three just so happens to be my favorite number, so I'm going to go with Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> and I love the way we've logic to this. Steven, what are your thoughts here? There are few better uh, matchups of director and subject matter than Edgar Wright and Scott Pilgrim versus the world. If you want a director in a universe that's just full of kinetic energy that never stops, that's always fun, that's pushing the limits of what camera work's supposed to do, that wants every transition to actually be something and not just cutting to a scene, uh, it's a brilliant matchup. Edgar Wright probably is the best director of comedies we have working today, um, and his skills are on full display in Scott Pilgrim vs. the Universe. And The Losers is a story about a couple of commandos that have to get betrayed. They have to go back and shoot the guy. It's it's fine for what it is. It's, it needs one more gimmick level to make me interested in it. So Scott Pilgrim wins this one sand down. All right. Scott Pilgrim's got the vote. Mike, what do you think? I have also not seen The Losers, but um, it occurred to me as I was looking at this, I was going... I have only seen, I've seen bits and pieces, but I have only seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world start to finish through one time. What the actual hell is wrong with me? I loved Scott Pilgrim versus the world when I saw it. I absolutely adored it. I thought it was so fantastic. I thought it was so unique. It had a lot of different interesting, did cool visual things. It did cool musical things. I remember, I can distinctly remember the moment when I went from, I really like this movie to I love this movie. And it's a scene where uh, Scott is walking towards his famously underage 17-year-old girlfriend and Knives Chow. And in the background, there's this very small little musical cue that you can hear. And it's a song by a band called Broken Social Scene called Anthem for a 17-year-old girl. And I busted out laughing in the theaters. And I was like, that just little attention to, to random things like that is like what Steven said. It's what makes Edgar Wright such a perfect director for those kinds of things because those are the kinds of little touches that he likes to make. It's it's such a good movie. I want to watch it again before we do the next round just because I love that movie so much. It's a travesty that I've only seen it once, but Scott Pilgrim versus the world all the way. All right, and Chris? You can notice a trend here. And that trend is, I'm going to, listen, I love Edgar Wright. I do. And Scott Pilgrim versus the world may be the better movie. I will give you that day and night. The Losers, I love this movie. I'm sorry. I it's it's cheap popcorn fun and I'm okay with that. The Losers is a fun action movie that had the unenviable task of coming out a month and a half before the Liam Neeson headed version of the A team and it's kind of the same freaking movie. It really is. It's 
It re- yeah, I know, Mike, you're shaking your head. It really is. But with, you know what the difference for me was? Chris Evans. Chris Evans finds a way to pull off. Jacked-ass Chris Evans finds a way to pull off the nervous, nerdy guy that can't approach a woman. Let that sink in for a second. Captain America gets nervous talking to women. I, I love, I do love, I love Scott Pilgrim. I mean, Edgar Wright is one of my top five directors working right now. And what I wouldn't give to go back in time and see Edgar Wright's Ant-Man, as much as I love Peyton Reed's film, I would love to see Edgar Wright's Ant-Man because I think that'd be on this list. I will die on this cross. I will go back and watch The Losers before I'll go back and watch Scott Pilgrim. And it could be the fact that I'm not a music guy. And that movie, and Edgar Wright's movies in general, are very much tied to a music... They're very much tied to music. And Brandon Routh's character in Scott Pilgrim, by the way, is spot on. I love Brandon Routh's character. The Losers, though, is just, for me, endlessly rewatchable. It's a really fun movie. It's extremely simplistic. I understand that. It's it's extremely beat for beat. It's very, very formulaic. But the cast wins it for me. I'm going The Losers, and I don't care. I do want to point out that uh, Chris Evans is, in fact, in both of these movies. Yes, he is. All right. Well, I have seen neither, so we're going to go ahead and move on. (laughs) Scott Pilgrim at the three seed is moving on to our next round. Let the hate mail flow. And the hate (laughs) mail can go straight to pubtriviaexperience at gmail.com. Chris will get it immediately and reply as quick as he can. On to our next round. (laughs) (laughs) On to our next round, we've got a 7 seed versus a 10 seed. I'm very interested in seeing how this one plays out. Our 7 seed is Big Hero 6 versus the 10 seed of The Crow. And I believe up first we have Jen. Oh my gosh, you give me the roughest ones. So... I mean, I give them all to you, but... You know, whatever. Um... Yeah, but you make me start with, like, the roughest ones. So Big Hero 6. When I first saw this movie, it was obviously with my kids because, you know, there were so many just amazing parts to this movie. And this is aside, you know, from, you know, the fluffy kitty and all that kind of stuff. Just... The way it deals with grief and, you know, it's just like just so many parts of this movie that are just really outstanding. And I love Big Hero 6. The Crow. I mean, Brandon Lee, it's. This is one of those things where, you know, there are certain songs that even now come up on the radio or on my iPod or whatever. And it just brings me right back to the crow because it was just when it came out, that was just like, it had such a big impact on me then. And, uh, it still does now, you know, it it just, it was dark and all that, but just something about it just always called to me. Um, it's really, really hard choice because both of these movies mean completely different things to me at completely different parts of my life but cinematically 
I really kind of have to go with Big Hero 6. But, you know, again, there's we have more visual effects and stuff that we can do now that we couldn't really do when The Crow came out. But, I mean, I, I, I would have to go with Big Hero 6. All right, we've got a vote for Big Hero 6. Steven, what do you have to say? Uh, this one's kind of a tough one for me, too, uh, because I don't super love either one of these films. I both feel like they're, I guess I feel like they're both kind of pulling their punches in a way. Um, the Crow is, I think, a perfect goth film in that goth kids are people that like to look interesting by pretending that they're dark, but really aren't. And The Crow is the same way, too. It's It looks really interesting. Uh, I, I love the fact that the city of Detroit is somehow the same city that was in Metropolis. I don't know what happened to it. Um, but it looks great. Um, it's just... It's very much R-rated material through a PG-13 lens. And maybe it was even an R-rated film. I don't know. But it's definitely not showing me what I want to see there. I want to see... You know, hard crime and blood and guts and gore. Same things. Big Hero 6. Obviously, I don't need to see blood and guts and gore because that's not germane to that genre and what's going on there. But I still want more from it. I want Hero's arc to be stronger. And I, I don't know why it doesn't connect with me. I don't know why Baymax doesn't super connect with me. I, I guess maybe it's because I feel like he's a robot and robots... Uh, cartoons in the early 90s shot me to not care about because you can kill them indiscriminately and not get problems with the censors. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's what's holding it back. Um, between the two films, I think the one that comes closer to achieving what it's going for is Big Hero 6, though. I think The Crow just... It's more interested in looking like a great film than becoming a great film. And Big Hero 6 is trying a little bit harder. So I'm going to vote for that. All right. We've got another vote here for Big Hero 6. Mike, what's your vote? Um, I, I honestly don't really have a whole lot to say. I don't have a huge attachment to either of these movies. I've seen both exactly one time. Uh, I'm also inclined to go with Big Hero 6 just because I felt like it was a little more emotionally resonant for me. And, uh, you know, as, as tragic, of course, as The Crow's backstory is, with everything with uh you know brandon lee's death uh which was a huge deal at the time it came out and i think that it might have resonated a little bit more with me if i'd seen it at the time it came out uh unfortunately i was too young i wasn't allowed to watch r-rated movies at the time uh so i didn't actually get around to it until many years later and i like i said only saw it one time it's uh, it just never really stuck with me so I, I just based on that i'm inclined to go big hero six just because it was a little more emotionally resonant for me all right. Well, we've got Big Hero Six moving on to the next round. But Chris, what's your vote? Um, yeah, the crow isn't what it is if Brandon Lee doesn't die while making the movie. It's not. With that being said, when I go back and look at the the lead that Brandon Lee was, I can't help but think of what his career would have been like. I really can't. And all the all that hope and all that is enough for me to overlook the fact that it wasn't the best movie, but big hero six, as much as I remember walking out of that movie saying, Oh my God, I loved it has no staying power with me whatsoever. This is, you know, five years later, it doesn't have it. I still remember watching the crow and that's the, that's the deal breaker for me 
is I would love to see what Brendan Lee would be able to do with a career, and we'll never get to see that. So for me, I'm going the Crow. All right, we're voting for hopes and dreams. Toady, what do you have to say? So unfortunately, Chris, I'm I'm in the exact opposite boat. Um, for me, you know, the Crow, and I grew up a wrestling fan, so the Crow became synonymous with Sting. Yeah. Um, if anybody followed wrestling, you'll know that he donned that that face paint in honor of of uh, Brendan Lee. Um, and unfortunately, that is now what I associate with it. You know, the movie just didn't have what it took to kind of seed itself into my younger mind. Uh, granted, I probably shouldn't have seen it when I did. That's besides the point at the moment. I think though. you were like one when that movie came out. Just keep that in mind. I was. When, when did that movie come out? 91? 94. 94. 94. Yeah. I wasn't born yet, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you were negative. Um, yeah, I was negative one when that movie came out. Um Regardless, I probably saw that movie when I was like six or seven. Uh, probably not the best time to watch that movie. So with that in mind, uh, Big Hero 6 has become, you know, a huge, huge part of my relationship and my marriage. Uh, it was one of the first movies that my wife and I saw in theaters together. Um, and it, so it has super fond memories behind it. Uh, and, and who cannot love Baymax? I'm sorry, Stephen, um, that you were taught to not love robots, but Baymax is the biggest cuddly good boy ever. And uh, going to have to go with Big Hero 6 on this. I'm going to echo Steven here. Not only do we not love Baymax, I don't care about Bing Bong, so leave that. I'll let that hang out there as well. Okay, we, I, we love have no soul. I love Inside Out, but Bing Bong could stay in that forever pit All for all I care. Thank you. And yet again, we have one holdout here from Chris as the monster he is. Big Hero 6 is moving on to the next round. And He's history's for... greatest monster. <laughs> and in our last matchup of our first bracket here, we have the number two seed of Wonder Woman versus the number 15 seed of Josie and the Pussycats. And we're getting started here with Steven. Well, this is clearly a tough one. It's going to take me a long time to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Now, I, I, I don't like Archie comics. The Riverdale series makes me feel very confused because I can never tell how old the people are supposed to be because they're kind of in college and kind of in high school. And so I just feel guilty and horny. So that doesn't help me out <laughs> at all. Uh, you know, Wonder Woman's got a heck of a ton of problems. It's not like it's a perfect film by any stretch. It shouldn't be a number one seed. That entire final, you know, fifth of the film is just god awful. But it's got the no man scene. It's got the no man scene get you through round one. So Wonder Woman. <laughs> all right yeah we're going with wonder woman mike what are your thoughts you know and i i promise this is the bad bracket for me in terms of this i have not seen josie and the pussycats like almost all the other brackets you're not going to be hearing me going oh i haven't seen this i haven't seen that you're I, lucky. This, this bracket i was i was going through the brackets and this is the first one i saw and i went oh god i've got a lot of homework to do unfortunately this was the this was a rough one, but but they, again, as Stephen said, this was one of those where I was like, I don't feel like I need to do a little lot of homework. It, Wonder Woman's clearly got to go through one round, right? Like it was the first DC cinematic universe, if you can even kind of call it that, movie that was actually pretty good. <laughs> like that wasn't a train wreck and completely disappointing. Uh, so um, yeah, to me, Wonder Woman at least goes past the first round. All right, very good, Chris. What do you have to say? Uh, Wonder Woman 
saved or whatever you want to call it, saved the DCEU. Um, as much as Scott Snyder gets, not Scott Snyder. Zach. <sighs> yes. Scott Snyder worked with Greg Capullo, who wrote the Batman series for uh, New 52. As much as Zack Snyder gets crap, his casting of Gal Gadot, as much as I gave it crap at the time, is pitch perfect. I don't care about Josie and the Pussycats. I really don't. Um, Rachel Lee Cook is one of the most beautiful women on the planet, but she couldn't save that movie. Freaking, she kicks ass as Wonder Woman. Up until the third act, that movie is phenomenal. And you totally buy every bit of chemistry, not just romantic, but just the general chemistry between Gal Gadot and Steve Trevor, uh, Chris Pine, is not only believable, but it leaves you hanging on their commentary. You totally buy it. It's Wonder Woman, man. It's got to be. Yeah, it sounds like it's the first time Chris Pine had a good role. So, Tony, what do you have to Whoa. say? Whoa. Quiet, Sorry. partial moderator. Sorry, I forgot the, the moderator here. <laughs> but give me Tara Reid any day. Go ahead, Tony. <laughs> I apologize while I compose myself after that. Um, look, Josie and the Pussycat, and I almost just said Pussycat Dolls for some reason, because that's how little this movie matters to me. <laughs> um, um, the, honestly, in my opinion, the only thing good to come out of that movie, is it was really Rosario Dawson's kind of kicking off spot. Uh, she is, She's gone on to have a, a wonderful career, primarily in, in the silver screen, uh, regard, or not the silver screen, um, Primarily in television. She's but. a dope night nurse. She really oh, is yeah, a dope yeah, night nurse. Exactly. Like she she has done wonders in the rest of her career. Uh, that movie was was not her time. I'm glad she recovered from it. Uh, Wonder Woman. I, I think you guys have said it. It, it definitely has as its very very strong moments. Um, and I can't remember his name, but Bill Weasley as Ares just didn't quite do it for me. Um, however. Uh, the rest of that movie doesn't pull its punches. So hold on, hold on. That's not Bill Weasley. That's Remus Lupin. Is it Lupin? It's Lupin. Yeah, it's Lupin, and we're going to get emails. So, <laughs> yeah. I am a huge Harry Potter fan, and Chris knows this. It's Remus Lupin, dude. Mm. I, I, one hundred percent. It's Remus Lupin. Like I'm not even. I'm not. I've seen those movies like twice each. It's Remus Lupin. You don't have to look it up. While we're taking the time to look this up, let's just oh say how God, fortunate Lupin's parents were that they named their kid Wolf Wolf, and he turned out to be a werewolf. That was just really good luck. In in their defense, his father's name is also Wolf Wolf. Just a different word for wolf. It's Romulus. But um, you were right. It is Remus Lupin. Uh, and that makes it all the much more worse. I know. Um, he's He's even more wiry. Uh, and, and the God of War should not be a wiry man, as much as I love that actor. Um, but the rest of the movie just doesn't pull its punches. Uh, honestly, I could not lap up enough of Chris Pine and Gal Gadot's chemistry. Um, they're, the boat scene alone, when, oh when they're God. going through that, and every, you're just, when, you could cut the tension there with a butter knife. I'm, I'm sorry. There's just so many other great things about that movie that it has to move past at least one round. So, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman it is. And Jen, what do you have to say about these movies? 
So I've seen each of these movies once. Um, just seen the Pussycats. I mean, it's okay for what it is, I guess. Rachel Lake Cook, cute as a button. I mean, I absolutely love her. Always have. Um, Wonder Woman. I'm not a big fan of Gal Gadot. Uh, I, I wasn't. I didn't really agree with her being an Amazonian warrior because she's just not big enough to be an Amazonian warrior. Um, but what I will say about that movie is that you know I'm big into costumes. I very much appreciate the thoughts that they put into the costumes for the Amazonian warriors, because that if, if you really look into the lore and everything, that is what they would wear. Um, and they didn't just, you know, make it to where they're all wearing the most scantily clad thing you could possibly think of that wouldn't really do anything in battle. So um, on that alone, I'm going to have to go with Wonder Woman because I'm huge into costuming. All right. Well, costumes end up with a sweep here. We've got Wonder Woman moving on to the second round. And for a quick recap of our first bracket here, we currently have Black Panther moving on to face the Avengers, Affinity War, Infinity War also. Uh, We have Captain America Civil War on to face Dread. We have Superman 2 versus Scott Pilgrim. And we have Big Hero 6 versus Wonder Woman. Very good. Very good. All right. That has been another episode of Boozy Bracketology. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Now, if you don't know this already, find us on Instagram at Boozy Bracketology. Or if you want to be a part of the show or you have a suggestion for what our next bracket should be, Email us, boozybracketology at gmail.com. As you know, we will put out a new bracket each and every month, and we will finish that bracket in that month, no matter how many episodes it takes. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time.